Hi, welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by TexasRealFood.com. It's a great website, basically a comprehensive list of restaurants, farmers markets, you know, artisanal shops, butcher shops, all, all kinds of different places that are basically offering anything that's artisanal, organic, all natural, right? So you just put in your zip code, your city, you can find out what places are near you. It's a really, really cool site. It also has great resources. So you can find a cool blog that gives you different information about the state and different events that are happening. You can also find cool recipes, videos to go along with them. Uh, just great resources, product reviews, all, all kinds of cool stuff that you can get here in Texas. So all things Texas, really, really cool website. You can also find our podcast on there, texasrealfood.com slash podcast. Or you can just go to thelonestarplate.com and it will just forward you there. Um, you can also email me if you want, patrick at texasrealfood.com. If you ever have any questions or suggestions, anything about the show, you just want to reach out to me. Um, okay, so let's get to the episode. That's what you're all here for. So um, I have two guests today. They're going to Nathan and Carl. They're with a company called Swipe Buy. Uh, it's an app that basically allows uh, curbside uh, pickup and takeout, that sort of thing. And it designates a, a, a parking uh, spot in the parking lot for that. So uh, we're just going to talk to them about that. And today, obviously, that's something that's huge uh, that's going on right now. Um, with restaurants and everything all over the country. So this is definitely an app and a product that restaurants and, and things can use. And we're just going to talk to them about it and how they've, you know, the virus has affected them and the lockdown and all this stuff and what they're doing with the company. So uh, let's get them in and um, let's get doing this. All right, guys, here we go. How we doing? Uh, Carl, right? Yes. Hi, Patrick. Very nice hey. to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nathan down here. How are we doing, brother? How are you? Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Good to have you guys. Thank you guys so much for, for jumping in here. Our pleasure. Absolutely. So, Carl, where, where are you located right now? You're, you're calling us from where? I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina right now. Nice, nice. And Nathan, you're in, uh, up in the Dallas area, right? Right. Rockwall, Texas. Rockwall, Texas. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, basically, well, let's just start with, I, I sort of did a little bit of an intro with the company, but obviously I probably butchered it and didn't do it right. So we'll have you guys uh, just give a brief sort of explanation of, of what, you know, the, the app is about, and then we'll just get into the, you know, the meat and potatoes of things. Exciting. Should I just go ahead and yeah. okay, let cool. us know, Carl? Yeah, so um, right, we are Swipe Eye, and um, the core thing that we are doing is we turn, how we say, we turn restaurants and virtual drive-thrus. Um, and what that really is, is we bring basically curbside service, click and collect, like you might know it from Walmart, you might have done it at Chick-fil-A, but we bring it at a platform, as a platform to really any type of restaurant. And um, so what is the experience like? Um, you know, we are consumer-facing apps that are really similar to your of um, a lot of other ordering apps, but you pay no additional fees. And then really the magic happens at arrival. You drive to the restaurant, you don't need to press a button, you don't need to call, and the staff doesn't need to be on lookout, right? There don't need to be any of the tents going on. And uh, <laughs> if you offense your location, you pull up and generally a minute or less, a waiter will come out, hand you the food, food through the window, puts it in the back of your trunk, and you are on your way again, right? So your favorite burger, favorite pasta, favorite salad, just faster than a McDonald's drive-thru. 
Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously in this day and age, right, with everything happening, uh, this is becoming sort of an essential service um, at these places. Did, did, when did y'all have the idea for this, you know, to do it, this? Yeah, so, you know, it's, it has been quite a journey, I, I need to say. So I started the company <laughs> in, I started the company in May 17. Um, so I'm, I'm from Germany um, and I came to Wake Forest, went to Wake Forest University. That's why we're in Winston-Salem. And the original idea I had was actually inspired by food delivery in Shanghai where I studied a semester abroad. And the original idea had was a peer-to-peer -peer delivery network on university campuses. Oh. Um, you know, everyone who listens, who knows that higher ed is not necessarily fast moving. So I was you new know, running, want to build a peer-to-peer -peer delivery network on a campus. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just like no one was walking my speed. But one of the ideas that came out of this was, well, how about we build a Tinder for food? And it's a long story how we went from peer-to-peer -peer delivery to Tinder food, but it was like a Tinder for food would be cool. People always eat at the same three places, the same three things. So if you could visually explore, place a fast order, all of these things sounds like a good idea. And a lot of people on paper thought it was a good idea, but then we launched it and you know, it was not taking off as it should. Yeah. Um, and then actually um, in, in summer 18, so you know, now exactly two years ago, um, I looked at the markets, you know, with some friends, with some investors, and what we saw was that, um, you know, all the curbside service stuff going on, you heard like off-premise was growing, everyone in the food industry was talking about delivery, because, you know, there are a bunch of companies with massive ad spends, you know, dictating the discussion almost, but sure. if you look at you know, what is Walmart doing, what is Target doing, what is McDonald's doing, Chick-fil-A doing, again, some of these examples, and they're all invested heavy in curbside, and so I was like, well, I built a food ordering app already that is not going too well, I can add curbside to it and, you know, iron out a lot of issues we learned about from the first product. And, and this is then when Swiper was born and we launched it last year ago in May. So May 2019. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, obviously y'all had no idea that, that this pandemic, right, was going to hit uh, globally and, um, you know, make this app something that uh, a lot of places could absolutely use right that the, the, they're going to have to do it curbside regardless so why not why not streamline streamline it right so when you guys heard about and obviously i'm not saying that you know y'all y'all saw this as a good thing but you know whatever it was an opportunity right you, this this global pandemic happens and i'm sure y'all thought okay th this is a good opportunity for us to get in there and and you know make a name for ourselves right i mean i'm assuming that yeah, Nathan, do you want to take that? Yeah, yeah, I think never in our wildest dreams would we have thought a pandemic would come and I hope it never comes again. Sure. But when it did, I think we we quickly said, okay, now it's the conversation moves to we need to help these guys. Yeah. Uh, we really want to jump in and try and give them a solution so that they can keep their doors open and and the customers can stay safe. So we rapidly bootstrapped our messaging strategy and, and got out there and got that message out there. We slashed our fees, we removed signup costs, we really made it a, a low barrier of entry um, and, and just worked really hard to try and help restaurants understand what, we're, what curbside's all about. Before COVID, really wasn't something restaurants were all that excited to talk about. I don't sure. need it. I got other third parties charging yeah. me out the nose. Why do I need you to charge me? You know, like, like what, what is this thing? Um, and that that changed overnight. Yeah, so, absolutely. Of course. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, was, it was. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, something that stuck out to me, like when, when I see the app or, you know, when I look this up is the idea that there is a designated parking spot 
for right when, when you show up to it that that's the unique thing that stuck out to me about this because that way you know you know you're pulling into the restaurant damn how are they going to know where i'm at right if i park here some and some places have the weirdest little parking lots you know because you got to park over here some weird little spot so that makes it a lot easier to know okay there's my designated parking spot this is where i go and and the uh, establishment knows the exact same place to go to every time, right? When they take the food out, they don't have to question, where am I going? Where, where's this, where am I running this to? Same spot, right? Just boom, right out the door. And some spots already have that, right? Where they have a designated pickup area only. So you're sort of just taking that over, but streamlining it because now they can do it all through their phone. Again, no contact, no, no nothing. Um, what, what made y'all think about the, the parking signs because that's unique i have not seen that on, on anyone yeah um so there, there's a couple components right so there's actually something interesting happening here which is um we have a lot of places who don't have the parking signs um out of out of financial reasons but but i will get into that um so the first thing that we do is right we do a combination and the parking signs the you know kind of that there is a you know swipe by spot slash it's custom branded for the restaurant is a huge component out of it but the other things that we're doing, you know, with our geofencing arrival technology and with the information we have from the app, we actually tell the restaurant exactly when the customer arrives and in what type of vehicle, right? So we okay. are kind of adding to the order information. We have the order information and then we attach to that information at arrival time, you know, that we know because of geofencing and so on, and we attach a vehicle. And then all of this is kind of topped off and creates the best experience if there is designated spots. Um, but so yeah, what made us thought about us was, um, again, a lot of research. Um, so one of the interesting things I actually, I talked with some folks at Walmart, Walmart back in the day in a conference and the, I mean, and I don't know if that is actually correct, but at least that's what they shared with me at the time was that one of their key learnings was signage, right? One of their key learnings, which made a click and collect store successful, where it's not successful was signage. Um, so that was, you know, one of, one of the key components. And then there is, a, is an entire layer to, to the parking signs. Again, honestly, they're not really needed because we geofence, uh, we let the staff know what type of vehicle. And in general, you know, it's similar when you wave an Uber or when you get an Uber, even though it's all done through an app, the driver looks for you and you look for the driver. Sure. And in interaction, right? The, the customer looks for the waiter and the waiter looks for the customer. So I see. That's, good, that's good news. But yeah. the other big advantage of, of the parking signs that we saw was... Um, it actually can help a restaurant to drive sales and traffic. Because if you see, you know, if you in a, in a strip mall, if you walk by and you see, and all of our parking signs are always custom branded, right? So they certainly have the swipe by brands, they have our colors, but there's always the restaurant logo on it. And, you know, if you go, let's say to the grocery store and next up is the restaurant with some parking signs or you drive by somewhere or you go into the restaurant where you had no idea that there's curbside service, it's really hard to educate the customer that there is curbside service now. But if there's a yeah. parking sign, you know, it happens naturally. So it really helps to drive marketing, customer education. There's a lot beyond the experience of curbside, actually. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? You, you immediately see the sign and you know they offer the service. Um, it, you know, makes it makes it a lot easier. Absolutely. What, what sort of, I guess the question would be, what, what sort of, gosh, I can't think of the word, like sort of negative things did y'all experience sort of researching this, like different ways that the app might have gone that it didn't. Like, you know, ideas that you just sort of shelf to the side. You're like, no, nope, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I'm curious mm -hmm. about some of those. 
Yeah, good. So it's actually there's, there's a funny thing which is um, it's it's so when I made the decision to go into curbside, one of the other things I looked in was actually the polar opposite direction and was going inside the store. Um, okay. you know, one of the things, and there are some other platforms who are doing it, but doing mobile ordering in the store, right? Having yeah. little QR codes on a table so you just scan and then you can leave, like basically Amazon Go, but in a restaurant, right? So that was just one idea which we then didn't pursue because one of the hard parts there actually um, is, is monetization, right? So currently we, we virtually charge no fees to restaurants, right? It's, it's really little, but we make sense on the transaction because we add a higher level of service. And if you go inside the store um, and, and rightfully a restaurant operator generally, you know, doesn't um, like that's their bread and butter. That's, you know, what everything is based on. At least it was before COVID. And so if you build a product there, it's really hard to monetize it because who do you charge? A customer for dining in? Well, it doesn't cost me anything extra to dine in. A restaurant for dining in? Well, I used to do dining in for 50 years. If I'm an old restaurant, why should I pay now for that? So that was one of the things. Um, another one that we're seeing right now, which is, it's a battle, um, actually. Like, we kind of want to do it, but there is a lot of negative aspect to it. It's actually POS integration. Um, you know, one of the right. things we hear from every restaurant, I would say we have not heard in a single sales call where there's a, are you integrated? Can I just integrate you? And um, the yes. challenge, right? And in theory, yes, we can. We can get the order. We can send the order through. But this entire arrival notification part is missing. And the POS system currently is not built to make uh, a yeah. there, right? So yeah. that is one of the things which is, you know, it's kind of, we kind of want to do it. But if we do it, it probably how, how do we do it? It makes the experience worse, and that is certainly what we not want to do. You know, it's um, I, I had my own food truck and catering business and brick and mortar myself, um, and yeah, that that became an issue as time went by. Was having a hundred different tablets from all these different companies, right? And 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 my regular POS system, so. Absolutely. That was the question I asked all the time too. Can I integrate into, I always wondered why can't we just have one thing an app that I use inside of the tablet, which actually that does work with your system because a lot of places just run on tablets. So they could have the app, but I totally get the wanting to be integrated in the POS system. I mean, it would look, I mean, just, just bottom line, it, it would make some places pull the trigger quicker. Yeah. I mean, it just would, it, you know, because it's just, you know, anytime you can make the system easier for your staff, right? They don't have to look at too many different screens or too many different things going on. It just makes it easier. But at the same time, given that I've said that, places have also gotten used to that now, to, to having different systems that they have to be aware of. So it's kind of, you know, a give and take, but I totally understand, you know, the integration. That's good that you guys are thinking about it, you know, for sure. I mean, that's absolutely, again, that would just make things, it makes things so much easier uh, for yeah. people. You know, yeah. I did, uh, I interviewed somebody um, recently uh, with a, it's a website called ordertext.com. I was telling Nathan about it on the phone. I just thought it was interesting. Um, I said, you should look this up because I had never heard of it, but you kind of touched on it actually briefly just a minute ago when you said, that people can go inside and they go to tables and like scan something and then mobile or that's basically what this is. Is they they call it smart smart tables? I mean that's what the guy was calling it, right? It was a very interesting um, idea, but they're they don't really focus on the curbside and, and all that. Their their thing is that you know being able to uh, take the smart tables. But I see, I guess I see your point. So you have thought about that, right? So that that is something you had guys had already thought about. That's interesting. I 
Yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's so much innovation, you know, you can do in the, in the restaurant space. There's so much things you can automate. Um, yeah. I think one thing which is also interesting, as you said, there's a huge opportunity about integration in general, right? It's like there's a POS system, then there's a delivery company. Then frankly said, I mean, there is the companies who do the integration, right? Some names here, um, it's a Checkmate, Shaoli, um, Olo, Ordermark. You know, there's a bunch of companies who actually did that. They take all the tablets, plug it into one system and then integrate with the, with the POS. Um, there's, so there's so much opportunity. And oh, that's good. Think, you know, for what, what is important for us, and I think what a lot of companies decided is, you know, we really want to be the best at one thing. Yeah. And, and that is exactly right why we, challenge, why we have this challenge with POS integration, because if we would integrate with POS, at least how they are structured right now, it is not a great curbside experience. And there's actually curbside tools powered by POS systems. It's just because there's the, the, the trade-off, right? The order comes into the POS, but if the order comes to the POS, you detach the arrival and the customer car information kind of at arrival yeah. from that order. So, sure. all right, now you don't need to copy that in, but now the phone staff is on the phone saying, you know, hey, Patrick, you are outside. Okay, what was your order? Oh, I yeah. have two burritos. Which one was yours? And what yeah. car are you driving? Because yeah. there are three cars outside. So we take that away, but don't can do the integration part yet, but um, sure. I get it. Cause that's the bread and butter of your app. So why, if you did that, you would lose it, right? You would lose, you'd lose a big portion of why you want them to use the app is to take that away. Yeah, no, I get it. I, I totally get it. So, so does the, so does the restaurant or, or food truck or whoever's using this, do they get a tablet from you guys? Is that how that works or, or what do they get? So it's, it's really interesting. So, you know, before COVID started, we provided tablets, we provided parking signs and we had a, had a sign up fee, you know, everything was at cost, but you know, we basically were a, a pretty full service type of thing where we did, you know, onboarding, we did menu uploads, we did all of that. Um, with COVID-19, you know, financially, it was very hard for restaurants to pay any upfront fees. And it was almost unethical for us to go in and says, you know, we want to have $400 to get started. We don't charge you anything extra, but $400 right now to get going. So what we actually did, we waived all our fees and we allow restaurants to be pretty flexible. So we offer tablets for resale and we don't provide them though for free. But if a um, restaurant has a tablet already, an Android tablet, or frankly said from a different third party, and it's not, um, it's, it's, it's not locked. Um, they can offer us. So if a restaurant has an Android tablet right now, they can get started entirely for free. And that is really our goal. So okay. you know, it's, 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 it was an interesting decision, right? How do you deal sure. with a situation where, you know, it, 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 little, it, it gives us a little less power, right? There is a little bit risk. As you said, you know, we don't, parking signs are not a given anymore because parking sign costs money and um, we don't want to charge a restaurant for it. And then on the other hand, we waived all our fees. So it's not that we really can afford it to give that stuff all just out for free. Um, so, you know, we're really trying right now, it's really, we're trying to help as much restaurants as possible, providing the best possible customer experience. And there is, you know, we are at hundred percent. We could give it to like 150%. And that part currently is a variable, which if a restaurant can pay for it, you know, we provide it, we provide it at cost. Um, but right now we are kind of running on almost a light version which is sure. just very fast to roll out and very fast to help restaurants get that sale through curbside, remove that overhead they are currently having with curbside and just, you know, make a better experience. I mean, it makes sense, right? You just want to get people uh, under the umbrella. Go ahead, Nathan. I'm sorry, brother. The light version allowed us to onboard restaurants in a day. When this first hit, we had stores that wanted to turn the trigger really fast. And yeah. that light version allowed us to do it. 
um, and that makes sense. That makes sense, right? It, it, there wasn't too much liability on their end, right? It was like, okay, no, no risk, if you will. You were trying to eliminate some sort of risk. And look, it makes sense, right? Any business is going to look at any sort of cost on something. It, you know, restaurants and a lot of food businesses, they're just a little trepidatious because they get hit up for stuff all day long. You know, right. this, this app, this thing, this will help you with this. This will help you. Just a million different things. I've been there. I've seen it. It happens. It's constant. Um, and yeah, it's just always that it, it, it's sort of no mentality. You just say no before you even hear it. You just, nope, don't need it. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure you guys have experienced that too, right? I and mean, you just want to like, no, 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 let me just give you the quick pitch. It probably, this will help you out, you know? So um, that's great. Anything you can do to just get them in, right? Just get them in and then we can make adjustments. Maybe if they're hooked on the system, then we can, hey, we're going to start charging this and this. Damn, do we really want to get rid of this? It's been so great with our customers. Yep, let's start paying it, right? That's why companies offer free trials, right? That's why it's the it's exact reason because once you're in, you get used to the experience and now I'm, I'm, I'm hooked on it. Why, why would I get rid of it? I'll pay for it now. And that's okay. I tested it. It works for me. Uh, I'm, I want to use this system. And obviously, you know, what you guys are doing is absolutely uh, something that restaurants can use and benefit from. And, um, you know, I mean, right now, again, like there's just no way that you guys could have known that this global pandemic was going to come and that literally every single food place is a potential client for you guys, right? Like literally every place is crazy. So you guys have seen, what, where are you guys running out of mainly right now? Could you could you clarify what you mean? Like like what city or state or or and you guys I know you guys are trying to come to Texas too. Let's just talk about that. Like we're sort of on the map and, and yeah, it's um, <clears throat> so it's 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 honestly it's crazy. So we used to meet in North Carolina, right? Heavy footprint in Winston Salem in the Triad, and then in late Q four last year we added like Charlotte and Raleigh, some places. COVID hit. We're currently in over twenty states. Um, but we are super spread out, right? I think one of the advantages that, that we have, and again, how we are, because again, we're, we don't really charge any transactional fees. We don't charge monthly fees. We don't block a restaurant into a contract. We're really a hybrid. We are a hybrid between, you know, curbside is a hybrid between kind of tech going in and delivery. So we hybrid in this way. And we're also a hybrid when it comes to kind of your own app and the fully third party delivery experience. We kind of fit in between. And so what that allows us is, you know, we can be pretty spread out. We can be in a market where we have density and function as a marketplace, but we can be also, you know, in a market where we have one or two restaurants and we are almost their own apps. You know, it, it's the experience works just fine. And, um, but yeah, right now it's, it's interesting. We, you know, we're building some footprint in South Carolina, obviously, you know, in the, in, in Georgia, kind of in, you know, in the proximity and we're seeing good traction in Los Angeles, um, in, um, in Denver, um, it's, we have, you know, places in Mississippi now. We're bringing places on in Iowa, Wyoming. It's like really across the board. Um, right now what our strategy mostly is, you know, we're basically restaurants who are interested and, you know, who want to come on. They're coming on. We onboard them. Again, it's, it's no risk for them. And we actually, we don't do anything where we bring fees later back, back in the day. You know, it's just, it's free for now. It will stay that way. And if we change our pricing model, well, new customers will then experience a higher price, but we kind of, you know, if you're grandfathered in it, that's what you get. Oh, okay. Right on. Yeah. At least, this is my philosophy. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of hate when I, you know, go somewhere and then, you know, I get charged by something. So as you said, the, the trial, if it's marked as a trial is fair, but if it's not marked as a trial and then later comes the cost, it's just, even oh yeah. Valuable system, charged. very annoying. So we don't yes. want to do that. 
No, um, you'll, you'll lose restaurants for life like that. Like, exactly. look, we're, so, we're sensitive people. That's yeah. the truth. You know, we, we're sensitive people and we will just go ape shit on shit like that. Like, you will just eliminate. I mean, it's just how we are. 86, as we say in my industry, you know, we would just 86 yeah. that company. Like, immediately, oh, fuck them. It's been, it's yeah. been kind of fun, actually, because our approach, Carl's approach, has always been full transparency. Love it. And you'll have conversations with these restaurants. And you'll, you'll just kind of feel this, like they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, okay, of course, yes. So what, what's the catch, man? Exactly. And, and it's, it's really kind of fun to go in and say there is no catch. And yeah, we're not deferring anything. And this is this is what it is. So let's go um, yeah. and, and sell some food. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, Nathan, let me ask you this, man. So so you're like out there get, trying to get these restaurants on board, right? Like you're you're talking to these owners, you're getting your sort of stuff. What are some of the, you know, things that they're pushing back on with you? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. I support uh, Corey, who's head of sales, and he's out there really making all the calls. Um, I think what's, what's really going on is these restaurant owners are overwhelmed. And, yeah. and you can't blame them, right? Sure. And so they've got all these things. They've got lives they're trying to take care of. And then, then someone comes in and says, hey, we have a solution. Well, there's a bunch of other third parties coming in and saying that too. So taking the time to shift through what's true, what's not true, what's the best value has been a, a deterrent to, you know, quick, quickly turning on our solution. Um, I, I think they're actively looking at the loan process and that's, you know, the PPP stuff is oh, yeah. that uh, resources. Um, and a lot, you know, I think those are the two, Carl, you can jump in if those, those seem to be the two just overwhelmed, trying you know you've got a legacy kind of a history of bs and yeah so they, they're already they're already on edge right kind of yeah so um and you can't blame them so we we're just being very consistent and very transparent and um i think the, the restaurants that are um in early adopters tend to jump on quickly they kind of get it they get it quickly you know they, they want they want as many tools in the toolbox as they can get they'll give us a try have been I've been the ones to say, let's do it. And, um, and we've seen a lot of, you know, th this is just, um, this is, so, th this is some free advice from someone from the industry. Like this is what I would do because this is how communities work. Restaurant communities work within cities. Usually there are leader restaurants in the, and what I mean by that is other restaurants sort of follow what they do. So the key in every market, in my opinion, would be to find those two or three restaurants and, put all your eggs in one basket, your effort into getting them on board, because once the other restaurants see them on board, then it's a, they will jump on like nothing. Right. But if you go to them first, they're like, mm, so-and-so's not doing it. So-and-so's not doing it. Well, I'm not doing it. It's yeah. literally that simple. And I could name the restaurants here in Austin that are like that, you know, the, the sort of people, if they're doing it, everyone will jump on board to try it because they trust their business sense, right? They look at them as the model for how, you know, they wish their restaurant ran or whatever it may be. Um, so that, that's something we're trying. Maybe you guys have already done that. I have no clue. Uh, but, you know, something something we're trying. It's, it's finding guys like you that want to share the insights and, and help your community and reach out to us. We've, we've had that network effect happen in Charleston, South Carolina. One of the key breweries down there turned it on. And now there's more slowly coming on, slowly coming on. And we're seeing lots of traction with the uh, guests, lots of people are ordering, and that's awesome. And a lot of it's again, it's a lot of fun to see that. Yeah. Effect. So yeah, how how do you find 
the networks to help you understand what the, how the network works in each community. Um, That's it, man. You find those, those key restaurants that are just leading the way. And once they're on board, everyone just jumps on board with it. It's that simple. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's really how you're going to get the majority of places to join. They're not even going to want to hear your pitch. It's just going to be, oh, so-and-so does it. I'll do it. They don't even care what it is you're doing. If, if you go with, well, yeah, these are the places we have on board. That would be my first question. Well, who's doing this? Yeah. who's who's actually doing this in my city right or who's doing this because if you tell me well we got four restaurants in montana doing i would say montana I, what does that have to do with me like i don't you know i'm in texas like i would just want to know okay or we we're talking with this restaurant you don't even have to say they're on board yeah we're talking with uh you know uchi we're talking with franklin barbecue we're you know the, the places that if they do it you're in you're just you're sold on it you know and you could even make special deals with them that you don't make with other people. I mean, that's, that happens, you know, it, could you be transparent about that? Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. And if I'm a restaurant, I get those sort of things. That's how, that's how it all runs. All distrib distribution runs that way. You've got special deals with your alcohol distributor, with your food distributor, your dry good distributor, you know, your towel guy, you name it, your cleaning guy. I mean, there's all kinds of little deals going on. So, it's very guerrilla style almost, right? To get out there and get this app, getting people on board. But, you know, the good news is, dude, you, you know, you guys have something really, really good. So once they are, start using it and customers use it, they see how flawlessly it works. You know, that, that's the, the solid thing. You guys have a good product to actually give people, right? So it's another thing to talk a big game because yeah. that happens a lot. And I've, I've tested so many apps and different things in my time where they just didn't work. It just didn't work out. The idea was great and the pitch was great and the sale was great, but it just, you know, feasibly, logistically, it just didn't work. A lot of times, honestly, it, things were just too complicated. Mm -hmm. It just was too many things and too many variables and too many, too many things that I had to do to make it work. Yeah. Right. And that made me put off from it. It's like, Man, I don't have time for all this. Right. I, I, it needs to, integrate into my system very well. And I don't mean necessarily my POS system, but just my system of how I operate, period, right? Like how I push out food, how I cook, how I prep, how I everything. So, um, yeah, you know, gosh, it's, it's, it's got to be crazy uh, doing all this, you know, what you guys are doing. It's, it's uh, yeah, has to be. The six, I think our success has come from the fact that when Carl started this out, he, he worked with waitstaff. And operators. Smart, smart. So it isn't. It isn't just about the back of the house. Yeah. And, and he worked with guests. So between yeah. the two, we're really one of the only solutions that have thought through all of the details. Yeah. Of the guest experience and operator experience. Not so much the machine you're touching, but what the staff has to do to make sure the order gets to. Exactly. Because that's the actual logistics of it, right? Like that's the actual, you know, realness of it. Um, that's great. And yeah, you can't forget about the customer. I mean, they're the ones that use it, right? I mean, uh, they're the ones that are actually using it. They're the ones coming in and spending the money. Um, that happens a lot in our industry, surprisingly enough, where people forget that we have customers that come in. It's like, hello, that's what we're all here for, to serve these people. We're not here to serve each other, you know. Uh, so that, that can happen sometimes. Um, what, where in Texas are you guys looking to hit the ground running? And do you have any restaurants signed up in Texas? Good, good question. Should have been more prepared for that uh, with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got the answers. We have, we uh, have two, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got two shops. 
Got egg <laughs> shops in Houston. LA Crawfish. And oh, it's a, um, a really good Mexican restaurant. Lubbock and then And then in Lubbock, Texas, we're at the Adventure Park uh, restaurant. Um, it's called Expedition Cafe. Nice. So, um, yeah, but we, but Austin's got the big old bullseye on my map. Like you're, 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 you know, the number one spot that we're looking at. Of course, my rock wall and, uh, and the Metroplex here in Dallas. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Dallas. Um, I think at one time Addison, I know you're familiar with Addison. They, it could still be true. They at one time were the most densely populated, like restaurant city in the country. So they had the most restaurants per square mile of anywhere in the country, which is crazy. So it's just a town right outside of Dallas, but it was true. Every literally one out of every two buildings was a restaurant, you know, maybe even more than that. I mean, three out of four. I mean, it's crazy. That's just Dallas in particular, though. Dallas all over the place between DFW, right? That Metroplex just has restaurants like crazy. Same with Austin. But the one thing about Austin that's different is there's a lot of independent restaurants here that you're going to find more, more so even than Dallas. And actually, that's probably better for you guys, right? That's a good question. What is there a different approach if you're trying to hit up a chain or right an independent restaurant? I mean, there has to be. Yeah. Right? There has to be. There, there, there is, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it, it a little bit depends on, you know, what for a chain, what you said, this entire operational excellence almost, right? It's um, efficiencies, all these kind of things are significantly more valued terms um, than they are potentially for an independent operator. And one interesting thing we're seeing is in discussion with franchisee versus franchisor, right? Yeah. And we have a lot of franchisees reaching out to us and because they feel a little bit left alone by franchisors. You know, some it's just franchisors are completely overwhelmed and the franchisees are on the ground trying to, how do we make this work? They're looking for solutions. And, you know, the franchisors are sometimes a little stuck in their, their environments potentially, right? Sure. And then on the franchisor side, one of the things, you know, which we always need to cater to is how do they keep control over sales for franchisees, yeah. right? How do they make sure that all the sales that go through swipe by potentially they get their cut, right, in, in the franchisee, franchisor agreement. Um, with, with bigger chains, it's, it's, I mean, one of the, the crazy challenge, and that's actually a really sad challenge we're seeing with some of the chains we're talking to is, you know, a person we have been in contact with three, four weeks ago doesn't have their job anymore. Oh, um, gosh. And, and, um, and so that's one of the challenges we're navigating sure. is contact, who is a new point of contact. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely crazy, but yeah, certainly there is, you know, there's different, like, I think we, we, we try to build our product to be, you know, really agnostic so we can do enterprise and we can do mom and pop. And I think the sweet spot kind of lies in between, which is a little bit mid market, you know, like a group that has been seven to 50 restaurants. That's kind of, you know, we can turn them on really fast. They instantly, um, you know, they can market it across their platform. So they have significantly more, um, synergy effects, um, you know, by having different places on the platform and so on. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're trying to, I mean, one of the things is, you know, which I guess we can do as long as we're small or cannot, I don't know, we're just trying to do it as good as possible as, you know, always cater really to the need of the customer. And then the huge advantage we are having because we are small, you know, we had a restaurant and order throttling was an issue, right? It was an issue with that just peak times for, for items and when it becomes busy. And, you know, our system was able to handle different times for different menus and, 
preparation times for dinner versus lunch for peak versus off peak but we had more problems there and you know we sat down together kind of with the operator and we're like all right how do we fix this and we built a fully dynamic throttling system now um you know it took us like a good week to build this thing um which now throttles orders based on demand based on things that are active that's on the smart queue. yeah you know that's one of the huge advantages if you talk um to a huge pos system or to a huge delivery company and have a feature request you know good luck being heard um, you know, with us, if, if we, you know, if it was us, if you send a customer report request, there's actually a high chance it lands with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, you know, as every, everyone, you know, gets their hands dirty right now, helping sure. customer support, restaurant support. And that's really cool though. It's really cool. You know, as long as we can to be on the ground and, you know, we don't have all the layers of customer support people, account managers, but you know, it's, it's really fluid and we're trying to not be this a disadvantage but be an advantage. And so, you know, back to the question, Shane, where this mom and pop, you know, we're trying to be really fast in just responding to what is their need. And can we just make that a reality that we cater exactly to that need? Obviously without, as a startup, you know, always the yeah. big risk, one idea there, you hear one client wants this, one client wants yeah. this, and if you flip flop in the end, you are nothing. Yeah. Um, well, because every client wants to personalize it for their experience and you're like, okay, this is for everybody, right? At the same time. So yeah, that's, yeah. Totally. The found, our foundation of we've thought through the experience very carefully has proven to be successful in that we're not getting a lot of requests. The requests we're getting is help me solve the problem of too many orders at the same time. Well, I was going to ask, can, is there a way okay, to let's go ahead and pause, solve that. pause that? Yeah. Is there a way to like pause orders or, you know, things like that? Like if you wanted to set your hours, like we're, we're available to do this during this time or not, or, or on the back end for the restaurant. So the restaurant can, you know, fully customize menu times, operation times if they're closed between the day. You know, if the burger is 10 bucks at lunch and 12 bucks at dinner, all of that certainly is. is or if it gets 86, right? Like if they're out of the item, right? That kind of stuff can update. Actually, we're working on right now. So we're working exactly on the, and there's a complexity, right? You might be out of an item, but what is more interesting, even if you're out of a customization, so you are out of the mac and cheese that comes with five different items. Sure, sure. How, yeah. do, you, how do you close these things out? So yeah. that is actually one of the things we're working on right now. Um, but one of the big learnings, and again, that has a little bit shift with COVID, but we'll go back to kind of what it was before when COVID, you know, hopefully is over and dining rooms open again, is, you know, we, our aspiration is we don't want to, do something where the wait staff or someone in the restaurants need to do anything, right? So we had restaurants exactly request, I want to be able to go on the tablet and change my preparation time. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. That's great if we can do it. But how cool is it if you don't need to go in and change your preparation time, but the system change it as for you because it can learn. Um, you know, if, if, and, and, and that's what we are exactly working on, right? We are working on all the type of things is wow. every tap that the staff doesn't need to do. You yes. know, every where the yes. staff doesn't need to interact with our system is a win. Yes. And again, we are far away from being entirely perfect, but everything sure. we do is always, how can we eliminate the click? How can we eliminate the interaction? Because if you look at some of these third-party platforms, I mean, these tablets that they provide are like spaceships. There's so many things you can do, so many things you can <laughs> yeah. do. The system should know. The system should learn. I mean, we're, you know, it's 2020, you know, like input should not be required. And, it's a big aspiration. I never heard that. I never heard that angle taking, but I, I like that a lot. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense that the system would, would learn. Uh, it's a little scary at the same time. I mean, I don't know about you. You know, I'm, I'm a little older than you. So I think I, like in my mind, like I remember a time before, 
internet and computers running our lives. So it, it does sound a little scary, right? It's like, we know what you want. Like, oh shit, like 2001 Space Odyssey. Uh, that's, that's what I worry about, Hal taking over. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's a great system, right? Uh, to do that, for it to learn. But there's actually, to, to, to that point, right? One of the other things that we're seeing and, you know, partially is I'm from Germany and, you know, privacy laws, GDPR, and frankly said our history has taught us a lot what happens if user data, you know, is wrong, is used wrongly. And um, so actually one of the things is, again, we're early stage, so we're not 100% perfect with everything. But one thing we're really aspiring to do is, first of all, that the customer, the restaurant owns the data they generate, right? Is, is, again, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I was going to ask you about this, the data and all that. Yeah, go ahead. You know, there's, right. there's some delivery companies, and honestly, it's, it's almost ridiculous. So I order at your food truck five times through a delivery company. And now the delivery company goes to you and tells you, pay me a hundred bucks so I talk to your customer. Like, that's just crazy, right? They sell your own data to you. And, and so, you know, yeah. so it, it happens all the time. You're right, you're right. Um, so, you know, our, our philosophy is really around, and that's exactly where we are the hybrid, right? We're still a marketplace and, you know, it's, we, we, you know, we try to make experience better because we honestly only win if a restaurant gets more sales. Um, but our entire approach to user data as well to restaurant data is that's your data, right? If I'm a user and I place all the orders, it's kind of my data. It's my name. It's my email address. Like I should have a right to own this data. Again, in Germany, we have this, or in the European Union, we have this right to be forgotten. If I want to be forgotten, I have like, it should be my right to be forgotten. And then on yeah. the restaurant side, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's your customers as a restaurant. So it should be your data. And as why now, you know, we don't actually have all the tools to generate all the insights, but it's, you know, it's our aspiration and our focus is to make sure that it's your data. We are the platform and we want to make you be capitalized on that data and be able, you know, to make better decisions and drive more sales and create a good product and so on. Um, but yeah, that is maybe know, make some email list out of the emails you collect or something if the customer allows it. Right. I guess that sort of thing. Opt in maybe sort of thing. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, you're right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's um, yeah. So the data. OK, that makes sense. So what about like. So what sort of back end integration for the restaurant is there like what what sort of stats are available right can you look I mean, i'm assuming you can just look up all this stuff right what's selling what time right i mean all that's available yeah so it's it's currently you know it's it's again we are you know we are around for a year so it's we like with all honesty you know we don't have the fa and fancy dashboards and analytics that um, you know, tell you, all right, at 5 p.m., you need to increase the price of avocado by two cents because that will increase your profit margin by half a percent. Like, wish we would be that detailed. Um, we have all of this data available. So we're actually just releasing an update where, you know, you as a restaurant, you see all your orders, you see timestamps, you see items, you see customizations, obviously, you know, the usual things. Um, but that's exactly one of the aspirations we're having to become better. So currently it's just available and it's there yeah. to see more like a lake. And it's almost what a restaurant does with it. Um, but that is, you know, exactly where this, the tech company comes in place of what do we do? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, a lot of places I worked um, where I managed at least anyway, um, you know, we would, we would build these projections, right, for the next month out, basically a month at a time using our previous year's sales. Now, obviously, first year, you're going off of nothing. 
you're just sort of guessing your projections uh, for the month. Uh, but you know, once you've been in business a year, okay, now I can use these projections for the next thing. So anytime you can take data, however it may be, and use it to project what, what's going to come because it helps you staff. It's literally how restaurants and bars staff. I mean, it's, that's a big part of it. It's how they know, okay, you know what? Actually, last year on April 19th, we, we did triple in sales. So you know what? This April 19th, I know it's a Wednesday, but I'm putting eight servers on the floor because this is what's happened. Because there's a, and it helps, right? So the more information that you can have um, as a business to help you project these sort of things or, or just I need to order more tomatoes and potatoes this week because of that, right? Like all of that helps. Uh, there's nothing worse than a restaurant being underprepared for something and getting hit as they would call with a rush or i mean rushes happen and you get in the weeds if you will um is a term we like to use a lot but if you can avoid that i mean that that's all you want i mean you're looking for every opportunity to do that like you said taking away any clicks that people can have a, a term we would use in the kitchen would be cut the fat that's what we say. We say about a lot of things. Just cut the fat. If you're looking at a menu and it's got too much shit on it, cut the fat, meaning get rid of a bunch of bullshit you don't need on there, right? We got 12 different burgers. What the hell are we doing? Let's get it down to four, right? Uh, anytime you go to a, a restaurant and it has a book as a menu, uh, get out of there. I'm telling you, just get out. Of, there's no way to keep all that stuff fresh and, <laughs> and prepped right. It's too much. It's too many things. No, no place can do it. I don't know how people go to the Cheesecake Factory. I don't get it. It's just too much shit. You just can't prep it all. You can't do too much. You know, like you said, when people open the other tablets, right, or the other apps, and there's just all this stuff, you're just like overwhelmed, right? You're just like, oh my God, this is this. It's, it, yeah, but some, some POS systems are like that, which is why Toast has become, at least here locally in, in Texas and especially Austin, it's, it's the talk of the town because of how easily it integrates with people and the way they can customize it, but it's simple. It's simple to use, as simple as to, you know, I worked with Micros and Aloha for years, and I can't tell you how many times. Have y'all seen that movie Office Space? I know it's an older movie, but there's a scene where they take this printer or fax machine out to a field and just hit it with a bat, you know, just <laughs> like that, that. I can't tell you how many times that a re anybody who's worked in the restaurant industry has wanted to take the, the, the Micros or Aloha system outside in a field and just, you know, go to town on it because they're, they're very frustrating uh, sometimes they do too much stuff and it's just yeah. too, too complicated, right? Just too, even too, too much customization. Uh, then you don't even know what the hell's going on anymore, you know? And like, that's the worst, that's the worst. Uh, you need to see, uh, the buttons on suspender and the, uh, and the breaking of that. That's first, first swipe by movie night is going to be the office. There you go. There you, yeah, yeah. I love it. Yes, that would be a that would be the perfect. Uh, I always, perfect I'm way. always trying to give movie references to Carl, and between the age gap and, and yeah, totally. I know. I do that all the time, right? You bring it up '90s and '80s movies, right? I know you are. Yeah. Well, then the, the 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 big challenge I have is that you know everything I saw before the year of 18, I watched was a German title and dubbed in German. Yes. So you don't know what the real title is. Yeah. You I'm know, movie totally. reference and it, like it frustrates my friends in my age in the US. Like crazy. Like, I'm just the worst person for movie reference because I just, I either don't know the title. I watched it in German and it's just, it's yes. Totally 
Look, uh, my mom's from uh, Mexico City, so I grew up, you know, in Mexico City a lot, going back and forth. And we would same thing. The movies titles in Mexico would be different for yeah. you know uh, the American version, so I wouldn't know the same thing. And he, I mean, I lived in Europe. I actually lived in Europe. I'm a resident of the EU as well. Uh, I'm a resident of Spain, cool. and um, same thing. The titles are different. You know, they would even be different in Spain and Mexico. Right? So, <laughs> Each country would give their own. Colombia had their own name, Peru. It was like, damn it, guys. Can we just like one single name uh, for this? And they'll even change it to something like so ridiculous sometimes, uh, to be honest with you. Right? Like sometimes it would be the, the one example I love the most was, okay, in the States, it's called Die Hard. Because that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. But in Mexico, they call it La Jungla Cristal, which means the jungle, the, the crystal jungle. Really like the window jungle or the crystal jungle. It's such a weird you know just like what the yeah. what that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't go to this like that doesn't make sense it's the the the, the line of the, actually i don't know what the german title of die Hard is the line of you know yippee IA, and then yeah. i don't know what you rating is so i don't continue with the other part but <laughs> uh, um, the, the yippee IA after that in germany they call um it's like it's a really weird swear word they use they call it actually um cheeks um um and no pick cheek yippee IA pick cheek it's like it's it's when I watched the movie the first time I've kind of I finally got that line before it didn't version. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Oh my god, I'm gonna start saying that now. I love that line. I mean, that's like my favorite movie of all time. If you know me personally, you know that I talk about that movie all the time. I love that movie. I've seen it a gazillion times. Uh, you know, I could give a dissertation, a TED talk about how it's like the greatest movie of all time. Uh, you know, yeah. So that's funny, but I never heard that uh, that <laughs> a different version of the Yippie Kaye. That's a Yippie Kaye Pig Cheeks. Yeah. Exactly. I just I just looked at it in German. It's called Die Hard. It's girls and and die slowly. So that's not too far away. <laughs> die slowly. I love it. That's funny. Die hard and slowly. God, that's a way to go, right? Like. <laughs> oh that's crazy well look um how, how are you guys doing uh personally on the lockdown quarantine like what what are you guys nathan what have you been up to just yeah so i've been uh with swipe by since uh last fall and have been kind of doing the commute from dallas to to north carolina but with covid hit of course uh carl said head home so i've been home i've got four daughters oh. rock and roll, you know and wow. wife, and so we're Getting house full. real well and everybody's getting a little stir crazy and oh i'm sure but, but it's been good you know we're healthy and have nothing to complain about and um it's, yeah again when you're when you're really able to I, I like the job this is a great job i used i worked in corporate in dallas for years in the ad world and you know it has its pros and cons um this is a great this is a great job we're doing good things it's a lot of fun so that, that's that awesome when you're stuck in the house and telling the telling the kids to go hide in the corner. I have a call. Uh, <laughs> totally. They hear me laughing. They hear us, they hear us excited. And I'm just, it's nice that they can see dad in a good mood and not in a bad mood like in the past. So. Totally. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. Totally. Four daughters, full house. Absolutely. What about you, Carl? Are you all alone or what are you doing up there? <clears throat> it's, it's, I mean, Frankie said, you know, Winston Salem is not the worst place I think to be in a quarantine quarantine. Sure. Um, I think the only little bit challenging thing is all my families in Europe, right? Sure. And I used to actually go over to, to Berlin quite often. Um, so that's kind of missing. You know, I mean, it has been like, it's like, I mean, we have not that been that long under quarantine, frankly said. Um, but no, everyone, you know, it's just 
very fortunate. Everyone is healthy. Um, all of my friends are healthy. Um, we are an essential business. I'm, I'm in the office right now, right? We do our social distancing, but um, kind of life has not really, you know, we, I work for a takeout company, so I've been doing takeout anyways. Yeah. Um, like it has not been a shift. Um, totally. It's <laughs> been a shift for me while I'm there. I'm yeah. Groups at all the time and I'm here, I'm just cussing going like, <laughs> so if I have to go through this crappy interface one more time to get that taco, I'm, and of course I want to go walk into the store and say, Hey guys, let's talk. Like, what, what we got to do to help you with the website. Uh, oh, that's funny, man. That's funny. Yeah. The quarantine, uh, it's, uh, for some people it's been, uh, completely upended how they do things. And for other people, hasn't really changed, right? Like, uh, and some people are thriving. Uh, you know, I have a good buddy of mine who's like, dude, you know, just between me and you, and I won't say his name because I'm literally uh, just about to throw him under the bus here. Uh, but <laughs> he's like, dude, I'm thriving right now. Like, I I'm doing great right now. Like, this is like, I'm getting all kinds of business because he does like uh, graphic design and, uh, you know, video work and that sort of stuff. He's like, dude, I'm getting all kinds of work and offers from people, you know, music videos and this and that. Like, dude, I am doing fantastic. My wife's home from work she's working from she works for apple here in austin so she's home from work working out of the house she's like she's like dude we're doing great you know like i, I don't want it to end and i was like oh dude like, <laughs> i said you're, you're one of the few I, I promise you uh most i'm glad you're doing great but uh most people are are you know i'm stir crazy i don't i mean i, 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 I i'm i'm stir crazy um I, look look to be honest with you you know fuck it Y'all can't see, but I got my swim trunks on. You see that? Business up top. Yeah. I'm ready to party when this is over. This is how I've been doing it like crazy. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Dude, I saw this video of finally it happened. A guy on CBS News. Did you yeah. see this, Carl? He's doing a Zoom like this, right? So it just got his upper body. And I guess it cuts to a, a wider angle. And all of a sudden, it just shows him like he's in his underwear. So he just bare legs, but wearing a dress shirt and tight, right? like a coat and everything. <laughs> so funny. I just thought, how has that not happened more right now? I was surprising it took so long. Yeah. Right? Right? Took totally. I mean, you would figure it's, it just would be happening all over the place. And I know people are doing it like crazy. Uh, you know, I'm doing it. I mean, I wear the shirt. Okay, no problem. But then why am I going to put on... Yeah. a full when i'm just gonna be here at the house for the next like what am i doing later oh yeah i'll be in the living room uh, about four got an got a meeting in the bathroom at seven you know like you know it's like there's really you know my, my wife is is in the same position carl she's from spain and she's here and same thing she can't be with her family and so i totally get that too like i've been dealing with with that sort of end from her end of you know, not being able to be close to her family. And it's right. It's frustrating because you like want to be there to help. And at least that's from her, her standpoint, you know, that's how Latins are. Us Latins are very, you know, got to be close to the family, help out, be there. It's just something, you know, in our culture. So um, I know yeah, that she's, she's struggling with that, you know, not being able to get back and she's looking to get honestly to go back and visit probably not till, I don't know, the fall or, or or uh, close to winter uh, because Spain obviously got hit really hard um, as well. So we we unfortunately do know some people that did pass away from the virus actually, which is crazy. Yeah, just totally crazy. Definitely just hit home for me that that this shit's real. You know, like th this is holy cow. Okay, so and so died. Oh my, are you kidding me? 
Like we, we just talked to him a week ago. Like, yep. Like that happened. Like, okay. Okay. This is, you know, this is real. So, you know, it's definitely a crazy time, but just trying to get through it like everybody else, you know, definitely ready to get back out and, um, you know, get back to living not too soon, you know, but at the same time, I'm ready to, uh, you know, yeah, get back to things. I hope pretty soon, right? Texas is starting to open the doors again. And one of the Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Friday, 25% uh, occupancy on Friday. Be a start of phase one. I, I can't remember the date. I think the 14th or something like that, maybe, uh, for phase two, which would allow, if phase one goes okay, they said. So it's only if phase one doesn't show any spikes or this or that or whatever. So, I, I, but a lot of restaurants aren't even going to open their dining rooms. They're, also, they're, they're not. It's a challenge, right? Because now you need to employ the people for 25%. Is there exactly. is the there? Um, exactly, the overhead. And I thought the same thing just for takeout, to be honest with you, and delivery. Um, I thought some businesses aren't even going to do that because again, the, the overhead won't be worth it because you know, it just, it just won't be worth it. And that happened. I mean, a lot of businesses are struggling like crazy. Um, it's going to be a complete washing of the industry. You know, there's just going to be so many businesses that just don't make it through. And the ones that rose that, that somehow made it through were pivoted, right? Whatever the re they had a cash cash flow they had they pivoted right they marketed in a good way they did their delivery and curbside excellent we know with apps like y'all's or just doing it their own way or whatever the case may be um that that's it that's the only way to to get through it and just some luck maybe they got some of the loans that's a whole disaster too so we'll have your outliers but yeah you have your outliers it'd be interesting and maybe maybe this is one of your topics for the future but what is what does the future look like for restaurants like from a technology standpoint, from an operations standpoint, how do you, is, is this changing anything or is it, is it going to be back to normal or what? It, I'd be curious to hear a professional that, like you, you know, yeah. back lag conversation because it's pretty interesting. It's, you know. I mean, honestly, and I have been talking about it on the podcast with different people. It, it is definitely going to change the, the, without a doubt for, for good permanent. The, a lot of these things will stay permanent. You know, I think delivery curbside pickup will be permanent for some of these places. And in a way it will, ha it will have shown them the best way to do it and the most effective way to do it. So you'll actually see delivery and takeout and curbside be the best it's ever been moving forward, which will be great because that's a lot of businesses that's, they had to focus on that hundred percent. So they've worked out all the kinks and everything that they could have never worked out before if they were running their full blown system every night. So, and then that's a, that's a silver lining out of this. Uh, another thing, I think it is a great opportunity for technology to step in and, and help. I absolutely think this is the, this is the time when we'll look back at restaurants. It'll be before COVID and after COVID and it will be, yep. After COVID, you just start to see technology really becoming an integral part of all places that you eat at, you know, making the customer dining experience better. You know, I absolutely think that a lot of those things will stay. And I think some of the cleaning practices, right? Some of the stuff that they're doing will just stay in place forever. They won't even get rid of it. You know, they already do a good job of that sort of stuff to begin with. You know, all the kitchens I've worked in, for the most part, I would say 90% of them were all took cleanliness super serious. So already, right, cross-contamination, gloves, washing hands. I mean, those are already practices in place. The only thing that's not is the masks. And to be honest with you, I don't know how somebody can cook in front of a flat top for 10 hours with a mask on. 
dark. I, I be, I'm just being lo- just the logistics of it. I just don't see how that's got to be absolutely annoying. And because it gets so hot already, you're already trying to hydrate in kitchens. That's a big thing is staying hydrated. Mm-hmm. And just having that mask on, you're breathing that same air. I just, I just don't know. I don't know how people are going to eat with mask on. If you're supposed to have a mask and go out to eat, how do you eat with a mask on? I mean, so what? I take my mask off at the table and set it at the table now? Yeah. Or I give it to the waiter? <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, I'm, logistically, how do we drink and eat now to go out to these restaurants? I just, I just yeah. don't know if that was thought about. Like, okay, yes, we're going to have hand washing stations and separate the tables at six feet and this okay great but has anyone actually walked through what would the experience be like okay i walk in i got my mask on i got i sit down they bring an appetite chips and salsa oh shit how does that I'm supposed to go in my mouth now you know like curbside it yeah i mean everybody's gonna lift up their mask to eat every time like this is gonna be it's right i just don't know how i'm curious yeah i just i mean you know i i just hope is i think um I think there's two, you know, two positives to look at. I think one of them is when dining rooms open, you know, this takeout potentially has shifted people to do more takeout. So, you know, I was yes, thinking, you know, and we've seen it, right? There's, there's the customer who came in every Wednesday for lunch and came in and dined in every Wednesday. And then one Saturday night out of the month did with the family a dinner. If things go back to normal, I think there's a high chance that this customer still comes every Wednesday to dine in, comes back that Saturday, but now is used to do twice a month on Friday's takeout. So instead of coming five times to the restaurant, that customer is now coming seven times. So, and you know, I talked with some, some other people in the industry and there, there was some general consent and that you know, hopefully, and there's a good chance that the takeout demand almost stays the same yes. and, uh, and the dine-in demand kicks back in and you know, now the restaurant actually is over what they used to do. And I see what you're saying, yeah. I think that is interesting. And then, I mean, you know, we can just, hope that this vaccine comes fast enough and you know that in a year in two years we kind of you know with more sanitation with wiping tables more often was you know i don't know if the hang shake is dead some people say it is we'll see it's um, dead <laughs> with, it's with dead removed that things still go you know you don't need to wear the mask all the time um, yeah yeah i hope so i hope it gets to that um i actually had I think the episode, actually that episode I'm releasing Friday, I actually, last Friday, I spoke to a cellular biologist and they are, they know of the eight, there's, I guess, 18 treatment slash vaccines in development right now. And so what he told me is, look, the, the truth is the vaccine is not going to be out till next year. So we're going to be dealing with this for a while, you know, and he told me really what they're focusing right now is treatments for the symptoms. Like that's their main focus is not the vaccine. It's actually the, because the vaccine has to go through human trial, clinical trial, whatever, all the shit I don't know anything about. But, and I don't really even know about what he talked to me about way over my, I mean, it was so complicated. It, fascinating though. It was just one of the very most, most fascinating uh, podcasts I've done actually. Um, Cause he just broke down viruses and bacteria and the differences and how it works and blah, blah, blah. And what, you know, all this great stuff. But basically, yeah, that, you know, we're, we're in this for the long haul, you know? So a lot of these practices, like you're saying, take on, I agree with you. I think it's going to go up. I think it might even go up because mm-hmm. people will start, I think people, there's a lot of people that are still even scared to order takeout. They're they're just worried about the (laughs) contamination of it, right? Even if I'm going to take everything out and put it in the oven and cook off anything that could possibly be on there, they still don't want to do it. I get it. No problem. 
So I think you'll actually see it go up. I think once people like, you know, they'll, they'll start to even, uh, those people that have been just cooking at home and not trusting any of that. Um, and even people in my industry. Okay. I talked to people who were in my industry who were afraid to order, no kidding. you know, yeah, they're afraid to order because look, to, to, we know what's behind the scenes. So there are some places that I wouldn't order with anyway, just because I know they don't run their shit. Right. Right. Like I could tell within two seconds of walking into a place, if it's clean to eat there or not, I, there's just key things to look at. And mm -hmm. if you know, if they do this, then they do this, this, and this, right. That's generally how it works, right? You just know a few key things to look at. Probably like if someone's a web developer, they know on a web, you know, key things on a website immediately. Yep. That's a good website. So same thing, just some people afraid, um, you know, some people just ordering groceries, just trying to maybe support farmers markets and, and the farmers and just order the, the product, in, which is still a good way to support. Um, I, I, for, I, for one, am definitely ordering some takeout and delivery. Um, I, I don't see a problem with it. I know that some of these places are doing everything they can and they just need the support. It's that simple. They will close. There will be less places open. I mean, it's just that's, I mean, it's already happened, right? That's, the, the flood came. I mean, it's, it's, it's already happened. Um, in fact, as we open, you're actually going to see more restaurants close, not, not more, not, not better stories. I mean, I hate, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but that's exactly what's going to happen because they're going to open their overhead's going to be over. Nobody's really coming in and they, they just screwed themselves. You know, they, they didn't, they've been, it's not even their fault because they don't know what to do. They don't, you know, they, they just don't know what to do. And yeah, it's sad man. it's sad. Uh, but you know, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. If you're, you're a restaurant, adapt, do what you can, market, start using apps like yours. I mean, that's the best way to survive is using features like you guys are offering. Yeah, to, to, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's literally the way to, to, to survive is if restaurants don't get on board with technology, they will be done. It's that simple. They, they will be done because there are, I know people, I remember people used to come up to Boca and, and order from me just because I offered Apple, Apple Pay. Yeah, literally. That's the only reason they came to eat from me. Well, you offer Apple Pay and you're right down the street from where I work and I just love using Apple Pay. Okay, great. That'll be 15, whatever, you know, no problem. I, I don't care. You know, uh, I, I don't really care why you came to eat at my place. Did you bring money? Okay, great. You know, that's all, that's all we need to survive. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time, you know, uh, I'm sure you guys are doing everything you can to adapt and, and everything that's going on and, you know, do you guys have any dates set yourselves of when you plan to be actually back out in the fields again, or are you still just sort of taking it day by day here? Yeah, I mean, it's again, we are, you know, here in Winston-Salem, like it's, it's frankly said business has continued pretty. So we are an essential business in North Carolina, right? So we, you know, the, the, the governor's office or whomever approved us for that. Um, so we are still in the business, in the office, you know, we keep distance here. We, in our office, there's like every one hour, someone comes through and just infects all tables and sprays things. And then they do oh, like Jesus. something sprays like once every other week and just the entire building gets like, you know, wow. sprayed in. Um, so they're doing a lot of, you know, the, 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 the people who run this building here do a lot of yeah. good things. We obviously do our thing. Um, so I think, you know, for us, it's, um, it's again, as a business, honestly, not that much has changed. Yeah. Um, I think it's more, it's more an eye opener, right? I think um, while, you know, it's, it's really, while being a millennial, it's not really millennial of me, but I actually believe that, you know, instead of doing a bunch of chat messages, doing a three minute phone call gets more done. 
And I also believe that you get more done being in a room together than, um, you know, doing all virtual, virtual. But nevertheless, it's, you know, it kind of, it takes a little bit away of the, you know, especially as a, as a founder, as you know, if you have not done a lot of virtual, virtual work, it takes a little bit of the fear, right? You know, Nathan is in Texas and we're here. I mean, our entire development is mostly sits actually in India. So we are yeah. really work pretty virtual already. But I think just just shows how fairly well you can work. And it kind of shows, well, you know, we can build this company more virtual than we potentially we thought. And I think that's actually, you know, an interesting point is potentially as kind of good news for restaurants and unfortunately horrible news for the travel industry is, you know, if, yeah. if travel continues to be down, there is some potential spend that will go to restaurants that used to go into a vacation, that used to go into travel and, you know, no bad or good connotation to that. But I think looking just at the restaurant industry, that's something, you know, to look forward to or look hopeful to, um, that there is some, you know, digressional income that gets freed up and that can be poured um, in, into restaurants, which I think, you know, would be good for that industry. And again, very bad for a different industry. So yeah, we've been, it's, a, it's a good point. We've been drinking from a fire hose since we started a year ago. <laughs> And then and in the last two months, it's really been busy. And, and like Carl said, we love being able to go into the restaurants and talk to the operators yeah. because we really like that partnership component. And I haven't told them this, but we will have a road trip after all this is over where we get to go to Charleston and all these different, like we're going to be gone for two months. And I'm going to go out and do a road trip and start meeting these guys and doing expos on them and really you know, have some fun with the operators and, and be a trusted partner. So we miss that. I think, yeah. that's, I think everybody's missing it. Right. But sure. But uh, I think because of our approach with transparency and just that relational aspect, we really value that. Um, that's been, that's been what's been missing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the restaurant industry is a personal business, right? Yeah. So I think they appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard. You know, we're, what's the right email headline? What's the right text message headline to get these guys attention? Cause we have something we want to help them with. Yeah. But I can't walk in and, and look them in the eyes. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's yeah. been the challenge. Um, and we'll be, we'll be the continue to be the challenge for a while. We need, you know, we've seen word of mouth happen. Once someone does it, they really like it. Like you said, the network effect, like that's really what we're trying to hit. Uh, some of that's luck. Some of that's yeah, leverage. Sure. Some of that's, you know, sure. um, just hard work. And yeah. that's what we're spending our time on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I saw some, I remember when Uber Eats came to town here, like any, there, there was no delivery services actually in Austin, zero, right? When I first started. And I remember, I believe Uber Eats was first, maybe it was Favor. I really can't remember, but I just remember Uber Eats coming and th their focus was that. They focused on one or two key businesses, gave them deals because they got better percentage rates, I found out from the owners, right? which I was pissed about at first, but then at the same time, you're like, you're mad really that you're just not in the club. <laughs> not that it happened, if that makes sense, right? It's sort of the capitalist mentality of like, like okay, I, I, I'm not mad at billionaires. I just wish I was one, you know? It's, just, it's that sort of thing. So, but it worked because that system, again, once people started to say, oh, well, they're using it and they're, you know, boom, everybody jumped on board and it didn't matter anything about uber eats it just mattered that they were doing it, mm -hmm. right it, it it was such a crazy wave that happened then we couldn't get rid of them i remember all of us in austin trying to band together to get rid of uber eats mm -hmm. and at least get a better percentage we said well if we all tell them we're not going to use it 
then they'll have to give us a better percentage. It didn't work. They were like, well, then fuck you guys. We won't, we don't have to use us. We're in, they, they literally told us, well, we're in other markets. We're in Dallas, we're in Houston, we're in, okay, all right. And so what happens? People just gave in and next thing you know, this guy gives in, this guy, everybody's back on Uber Eats again, right? It just, it didn't do anything. It didn't accomplish anything. I think the rates went up, actually. It was like, oh, shit, this backfired, dog. This is like, <laughs> we can charge more now. Damn it. We should have kept our mouth shut. Like, uh, but that's the power that they, they wielded over us, which is why you're going to feel some pushback from some people. They, they, they don't know that you're not Uber Eats coming to talk to them, like right, some big conglomerate that does not have their interest in mind. That's what upsets restaurateurs and, and food uh, operator owners is that they don't feel valued, right? They just feel like I'm being used. I'm just, you're, you don't really care about me. You just want to get me in the system and move on and that be the end of it. And that's just not going to go over well for most people, whether it's right or wrong, right? Like whether their viewpoint makes sense or not, doesn't matter. That's just their viewpoint. I mean, again, re tours and and of the like uh, from my industry, we're just sensitive people, man. We're, we're passionate, sensitive people who definitely respond to personalness, you know, and transparency. That, that is the absolute truth, which I think you guys are both uh, providing, which is, which is a good thing. Um, I have no problem. Uh, Sebastian had mentioned to me, um, Carl, you know who Sebastian is? You heard about him? Uh no, it's the connection. I, I didn't break it down. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the connection that, that this whole podcast happened. So, and yeah. Sebastian's uh, from Germany as well, actually. Um, but he lives in the UK uh, currently. Um, but he, um, yeah, it, it's, it's it, you know, it, it's just basically that, that, um, you know, I don't know. It's like, um, I don't know. I don't know. It, you know, there's just so much going on, but, um, yeah, that, that's, a week ago, I didn't know you didn't know you at all. Yeah. And through Sebastian, who happens to be German, totally a part of the startup world yeah. who happens to know my uncle. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden we're here on this awesome podcast talking, talking to you and, and it's just been great. It's fantastic. So absolutely. Really and, um, no, no, for sure. Small world. Small world. It's a small world. Well, what I meant, what, what I wanted to get at is that I don't mind. Um, Sebastian asked me to introduce you guys to some restaurant owners that I know, right? That I've just known through through the time. So I'm going to do that. I'll I'll put together a little email thing. Now, again, I'm just going to hand the baton off. It's up to you guys to take it from there, right? But I don't have any problem making an introduction to see if you know maybe you guys can get some places here in Austin or in the Dallas uh, market. So. Again, no, no promises, but I'm a hundred percent willing to, uh, you know, at least do an introduction and, you know, see, see what happens. Um, I, again, the, I know that these two cities definitely work that way. Um, I think it's just in any market. It's just, again, you get a few people on board and they say good things about it. It'll spread like, you know, wildfire. So, um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, of course, man. I mean, it's a great, great um great thing you guys are doing um really just like your guys approach towards everything because look these people are my family so i won't just recommend anybody to be honest with you that's just the truth because that's my name on it i mean re referencing in the restaurant industry is a big thing like if you put your name behind somebody i can't tell you how many times you know you've 
I've worked with somebody that's like, oh yeah, so-and-so recommended it. And then they just don't work out. And you're just like, so-and-so's a dipshit. Don't ever listen to that guy again. You know, it would go, it could ruin your like, your your uh what's Never it called your back. reputation yeah. yeah yeah it's like you ruin oh. it. you're not you know that's the chucklehead who yeah said that exactly you know? exactly so and look again owners deal with a lot of bs all the time it's just the same way y'all deal with bs too you know from the owners i know owners can be difficult and unreasonable too i know that too that they're completely just like well, what are you talking about like you know, you just want to shake them sometimes. So, like, I get it. You guys deal with some. some... Said you signed up last week, or you signed up, but you still haven't done the final step. Like, what's totally. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Like, I I get it. Like, totally, I get it. I'm sure you guys run into that a lot. So, but yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think I don't have no problem doing that. What is interesting on that point, you know, it's I think it's you know one thing. It's it's always you know you're always like ah why is this person not doing it but you know when you look at yourself like you know one of the things so we're getting traction right we are seeing seeing more things and i mean i think there's not a single industry that get hits hit by salespeople as much as restaurant owners but as a as a startup founder or you know basically startup leadership and um, also with you nathan you know now that we are getting more traction and more awareness it's like oh man there's you know product software as a service other startups also pouring from all the sides and you're like I get this restaurant owner <laughs> who is, you know, and, 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 um, but I think one of the things is, you know, which, um, which I've seen is really, it's, you know, it's, it applies, I think for, for, for restaurants, for other startups, for anyone is it's in the end, you know, it's about persistent, right? I have some vendors who have messaged me 20 times of LinkedIn, as long as it's respectful and as long as it, it's, you know, transparent and as long as it is, you know, you know, not every hour, but you know, three days, then wait five days, one day, 10 days, or any of these things. I generally do reply at some points and, you know, sometimes it turns into a sale. Um, and there's one point I, I want to touch back on, which I think, you know, is also just really interesting in general is, and, you know, one honestly cannot blame Uber and all the delivery guys because in, in a lot of things, because, but it's, it's really important, you know, if you partner with someone to see what is their business model actually, right? And Uber's entire, the delivery entire business model is based on to have a person, a driver filled with a ton of orders. And frankly said, Uber doesn't, delivery doesn't care where does this driver drive by. That's why they're investing in cloud kitchens, right? They actually have a huge interest to have all the kitchens in one point so they can batch the driver really. Sure. Effect. Yeah. Ghost kitchens. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost kitchens, cloud kitchens, right? It's, it's, it's oh, cloud a, kitchen. I never heard that. We call them, I call them ghost kitchens, but okay. Uh, cloud kitchens. Interesting. The cloud kitchen is the company from Travis, right? The Uber founder actually. So Oh, he started some company, a kitchen company. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I, I don't. I, I don't like that. No, no. What the hell? No, God, no, no. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's his next venture. Um, doomsday. No, doomsday, dog. No, the apocalypse. I don't like that. <laughs> I like the I like the ghost kitchen idea a hundred hundred percent. But you're right; it it brings the driver to one point. He can pick up the pizza, yep. the Italian food, the Chinese food, right? The burritos all together, and and go out. Yeah. But you know, I think you know, for us, and that's you know, kind of we we always thought you do we you know is delivery really something we ever want to venture in? But you know what our core business model is around, and you know there are other vendors out there, and I think, but it's. You know, that's really important for, you know, every time you kind of partner with someone, it's like, what is actually their core intention? And, you know, for us, 90, not 90%, but the majority of the service is done by the wait staff, by the restaurant, right? They give the food. They are the smile that greets a swipe by customer that is a restaurant customer, right? A restaurant customer right. that swipe by as a platform. And, um, 
yeah so that's you know why i think our approach is it's really natural to be you know really connected to restaurant owners really transparent because in the end like our business model is centered around their location around their premise around their staff around of all of these things and we're really the technology that makes it easier but you know there are some things delivery by default that's just not how delivery works it's just not how the unit economics work so sure. one can't really blame them when they make sometimes things which are not in the interest of operators because the entire business model of delivery is i don't care about the restaurant i care about bringing food as fast as possible inside a living room which sure. is a very different offering to curbside service or to ordering on a website or to rewards or to any of these things yeah but the, you know absolutely but to me that was the that was my biggest issue with uber eats is that uber eats to survive they just need a bunch of restaurants that provide food to take to place right but they don't care who the restaurants are yeah. Yeah, so any, just give me food and i take it somewhere and that was my biggest issue with uber eats is they just folding people under you right just sign up this business sign up this, and i get that you want to sign up as many people as possible but the problem became okay, you don't really care about us, you know, you'll just swap me out with somebody else, right? Like you don't care if I survive or not, which is why you're taking 33% of every sale. You're demolishing my, you know, because restaurants work on very little margin, right? They're, if you break even in a restaurant, you're happy. You don't, you don't even need to make money. Um, as long as you can pay bills and staff and, and bartenders aren't texting you at 12 a.m., you know, where's my check? Like you're fine. Like you're, you're like totally happy. Honestly, like you've paid your meat bill, your, the, you know, your liquor bills paid. Okay. You feel good. Um, so anytime a business has taken such a big percentage of a transaction, I mean, you're just like, but that was the point. Like Uber didn't care. Like we want to survive. So when you go out of business, we'll bring somebody else in the yep. next guy that comes to start his business. We'll use him for six to eight months while he runs out of money. Then we get the next guy in and he runs out of money. And that's why I hate the model. That's why I can't stand it. I don't support Uber Eats. I don't support those models because they could, could again, care less about the thing that they're actually bringing to your home. It's like, it starts with the food. But you know, that's we, we can't they're, forget they're, about that. Right, they're logistic companies. Like that is yeah, why- they're logistic companies, exactly. Right now, Uber Eats and all of the delivery guys, I mean, Uber Eats is maybe a little bit different, but if we look at a lot of the other delivery companies, they're not trying to go more in the restaurant world right? They are diversifying on delivery, delivery, yeah. anything. Yeah. It's, it's a logistic company. That's just what they are and what they always will be. Sure. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but I, you know, we, we see that frustration and that's again, where we're trying to, well, delivery has a market, right? And you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a victim. I use delivery from while to while and I would lie if I would have not used Uber Eats before. Um, you know, though I try to use restaurants that deliver themselves. I'm, you know, trying to use a, a service that, um, I think one of the other things, you know, on a customer education point, which is really interesting, you see all the campaigns now, delivery fees waived, delivery fees waived, yeah. right? Yeah. And then first of all, they still charge service fees. They just waive the delivery fees. But the problem is- Absolutely. The, the, the restaurant doesn't get any of that break, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're still paying their full 33%. That's another thing with like these companies is that not only are they charging the restaurant, but they're charging the customer too. So you're paying the delivery fee and you're thinking, oh, that's what goes to the restaurant. Nope. The yeah. restaurant is getting the, their bigger percentage taken out. And that's why some people get confused. Hey, how come when I order on Uber Eats, the food costs more? Yeah. Well, because the restaurant knows that it costs them so much to be on Uber Eats, they raise the prices to bump that 33%, right? To not make it 33% of a yeah. cut. Um, 
you know, that's, that's just generally, you know, what happened. But th this is an interesting point that I would say about Uber Eats. I don't know one restaurant owner that uses Uber Eats that likes it. So imagine having a company that you partner with that you d despise. And that's Uber Eats in a nutshell. That's all the delivery services. I'm it, not going to uh, lie. I don't know anybody that likes any delivery service, except maybe Favor, just because the percentage is the lowest. And you don't have to have a tablet with Favor. They show up, they pay, you get the money instantly. And that's, you know, that, that's the gist of it. Um, but yeah, how crazy is that, right? Like, can imagine if none of your swipe by customers loved swipe by, but they yeah. used you. Yeah, it's, it's, right? it's for the, I would say, unsustainability of the model. Right? And then there's entire another component, which is, you know, also crazy. You know, all of Uber Eats is, well, delivery, let's not just bash Uber only, <laughs> is, you know, it's all based, like the core component is the drivers. And then yeah. the one thing that, comp that these companies only work on is to replace them with drones and self-driving cars. And again, I get it. It's a business decision. Sure, I, sure, like, I get it. Yeah. I can, as, as a founder and as a business, I can 100% relate to all of the decisions they're doing. But you have a business model where the people you partner with that provide the service, the drivers and the restaurants generally don't like you. That's just, and you actually work to replace them, right? You will work on cloud. Yeah. To replace the restaurant, and then you work on the cars to replace. So, the entire business model is centered around things you're trying to replace, which is crazy that that works. And it, it is, works. Right. I mean, and you know, partially of it also is it's you know, it's. I mean, there is a, there's an entire discussion. You know, if we go into startup world about venture funding, right? And in the end, what happens here is you have a crazy funded market that just you know it's it's trying to penetrate the market trying to become the only one so far it's failing right it's really fragmented and um, to then potentially at some point dictate price even more and build a monopoly right but it's 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 wrong in a lot of different ways i would say um, but there is a demand right but the demand is almost right that the customer pays so little is because you put it on businesses and then because it's subsidized i mean the which then blows my mind entirely is while charging the restaurant 33% and charging the customer, you know, 15% service fee plus, um, plus, um, you know, five to $7 delivery fee. And then plus messing around with the tips that then, you know, quite yeah. often go to the drivers and yeah. lose money on every freaking order. Like that's, you know, then just is like, like what is going on here? But Tony, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. You're, you're a hundred percent right, man. Th those are, it's, I just I always thought that was such a weird dynamic. Like, yeah. how are we all using Uber Eats and we all can't stand them? Like, we would literally burn their flag in a field if we could, like, but we're all using them. Yeah. It's a necessary evil. But at the same time, if somebody came by with a better system and cheaper and what people would drop Uber Eats like, nobody's business there ain't nobody that has a good relation there's prop there's probably a few business owners that do not gonna yeah. lie probably some asian places that do really cheap food but i i know they do and they, they do a lot with uber eats and they've worked that percentage into their cost so they yeah. they're they're doing great they, they would love uber eats but i don't care about those places no offense because they don't care about me that's the truth they just want to make a bunch of money and, and that's just, that just me, you know, from a, from a food, food standpoint, you know, from my passion, from my history, same way. I mean, look, you, and y'all are going to deal with businesses like this, but me personally, I don't get down with them, which are franchise places like a McDonald's or some, I don't care about that place. I'll be honest. I just don't because look, you didn't buy that McDonald's because you care about good food. 
you bought that McDonald's because you want to make money. Right. And that's the problem. I get every business wants to make money, but I, I have a hard time trusting people who get in the food business to make money, not because they love food and then they make money, if that makes sense. Right. Because it's food. So why don't get in it to make money? That's the wrong idea. Maybe other industries, that's okay, but not food. I want to have people that love the food. They care where it comes from. They're providing me fresh. You, li you literally ingest that food. It goes into your body. It controls your health. It will dictate how long you live, the time that you have on this earth. So yes, food is important to me and it's important who pushes it and how they push it and what it matters to me. You know, I'm just very close to things. I'm very sensitive about this stuff and it, and it matters to me, you know, and I don't like big companies coming in and taking advantage of the little guy. And, uh, I definitely don't like that. I mean, I fight against that so hard and I mean, it kills me, you know, and I hate, and again, I just hate that idea that a company could be so big and so widely used and so despised. I just don't even, it just blows my mind. It, I, just, but I don't think it's sustainable. I think we will see it's uh, like generally history has proven that is very unlikely sustainable. And honestly, like, you know, I had some discussions like, which is really like, I mean, COVID-19 has been the saving grace for delivery, right? There were yeah. um, a lot of M&A um, activity talking about, there was um, a lot of investors who start and stopped, you know, funding the entire thing because, you know, it's just while being, maybe because also being so predatory, um, you know, business models don't work. It's, you know, it's based on a lot of assumptions and, um, like there, I think, you know, I mean, a lot of these delivery services were before the end or before really, you know, they really need to rethink how they do things. And, um, but I think, you know, it always, what it also shows a little bit, um, and this is just what it is, right? It's what delivery kind of did is they please almost more right there. It's kind of whom do you please, right? The customer, the person who places the order, right? It shows that this entire, I need it cheap. I need it fast. That yeah. is kind of what won. And, yeah. um, but yeah, well, I, again, I think, it's it's just against all common sense and in the end i believe common sense always wins if there is a I business so. that is hated or really disliked and i agree it's just generally it's delivery across the board there are some exceptions like more local companies right i guess guest favor there's you know one here in the trial which is called and um, takeout central i haven't heard a lot of bad things about them either yeah uh, and um, they're generally just transparent right they're local they're easy to reach and um so the but I, again, I believe common sense always wins. I, I really think so. I think history has proven that quite some time. Sometimes it takes a very long time. Um, but so I think either they got to change or they won't do it for very long. It's just- I agree. If, if the sentiment that you're sharing here, Patrick, is is you know across the industry, it's only uh, a matter <laughs> of time before that swells up. You can't have a transactional model in a storytelling world. Right. You can't yeah. this relationships and these the the passion and power and what you talk about your food and your customers. It, it doesn't support that. And you at some point in time, it'll shift so that yeah. someone can do both without it being so predatory and all the things. And it'll be a good day when that happens. I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, just, you know, as you start to go out and talk to customers, just ask them about Uber Eats. You'll watch. Watch the response. Nobody's going to say, oh, I love Uber Eats. So look at my Uber Eats tattoo. You know, nobody's going to say that. Right? Like then nobody. Uh, if anything, you're going to hear, well, we just use them for marketing purposes because they know the hit they take on each sale. Right. So we just use it to market our business more whatever but nobody's like yeah 
give me some more Uber Eats. Let's let's expand business with them. Um, and again, it's just such a weird. It just it's hard for me to fathom. Uh, but I hope I hope that's the case. Again, if a if a company does come in with a good system, a good percentage, um, a good way that cares about people in the food and the customer experience, because look, the restaurant cares about the customer experience too. That's all they care about. And in fact, that's why they have pushback on the delivery companies because these companies are trying to come in and be a part of an experience that I provide now. And if I don't have control over this so-and-so driver that's showing up that doesn't give two fucks about anything, yeah. smells like whatever, you know, hair, this, whatever. Now he represents my company. Now he's going to go deliver food for me and set it on the door. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. So depending on what the business is, that's an important relationship to start building, right? And it's, it's just such a delicate matter. I guess it just depends what part of the industry you come from as well. You know, I'd like, I'd like to think that our model will be a good, you know, bellwether. 100%, 100%, man. We, we are doing a lot of the things that we just talked about, what people want, what restaurants want. And let's, we're seeing traction and we'll continue to grow and see if that. Absolutely. You know, something better. And even, you know, because we, that, that, that happen you know if you if the if the experience improves or just stays the same that's okay right and then just you're transparent with people the pricing is good i mean look at the bottom line money can't money matters right like somebody can try to sell you on something all day long but if you don't have if it doesn't work money wise it doesn't matter what they say right i mean my first question always was well how much does it cost before you start why even let you talk for 45 minutes if I can't afford this to begin with, or if money wise, I don't think it's going to work. So what is the cost? And if, if that crosses the line, right, if they accept the cost, okay, now all of a sudden they're receptive and they're open and, and let's talk about this. And I don't know, at least for me, cost is everything in a restaurant because you're counting pennies just so much every, again, margins are so thin in a lot of these places. And until you've actually, become some of the smaller mid-sized chains y'all were talking about earlier until you become one of those you don't really have a lot of disposable income i mean it takes a few locations to build that uh disposable income up because in a single place it's just god it's just so hard man labor is labor is really high and food costs is going up like crazy and um you know there's more options to eat everywhere you're fighting to be the best taco or the best this or the best in town and to be honest with you this is going to increase sales for the restaurants that are doing good and are going to be open because it's going to narrow the options down of where you can go you know it's it's i hate to say that but that's it thinned out the herd in a lot of ways and you know in some ways some restaurants that weren't doing well because there's a lot of shitty restaurants. We've all seen Kitchen Nightmares, right? Like there's a lot of crappy places in America, really disgusting, you know, make you totally ashamed of the industry, right? Like how could you serve this to people? Like how dare you do this? And a lot of those places will be gone. And that's a good thing. So I hate to say it. I mean, not that I want any business owner to lose their business or anybody to lose their job, but if you are endangering people by serving bad food and, you know, nasty fish and outdated stuff, I mean, you can get people sick legitimately uh, from that type of stuff. You know, I've seen restaurants try to serve green meat. Okay. It happens. I've seen shit fall on the floor and somebody pick it up and try to serve it. It happens. I promise you. I hate to say that, but this shit happens. Um, so, like, you know, it, it, those, a lot of those places will be gone. 
they were already operating thinly to begin with. And when this shutdown came, there's just no way they were going to survive it. You know, just impossible. Just if you were already having problems as a restaurant, this immediately fit, you know, it was a last nail in the coffin for you. There's just no way to, to, to get through it, you know? So I don't know. It's a tough time, right. For all businesses, for all of us, you know, to, to get through this. So what do you think guys, you guys have anything else you want to bring up any points I didn't make or anything you want to say, or I don't know. No, I mean, I, I, I have a great time. I really, really enjoy it. It's, um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I, would say, I would say let's, let's agree that once we're in Austin, oh, we, yeah. get you on, we get you on the platform, you try it and then we get on, you give us your honest feedback. Oh, a hundred percent. No fluffing pillows. You say, all right, dude, you guys told me this and here's what happened. Yeah. And we made a dialogue and, and uh, I think that'll be a really fun day when we can, we can maybe get back on and I'll, oh, I'll absolutely. provide some value to your show and give you some more insights on what we're seeing out there and how people are adjusting to the, to the new normal. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Oh, I'm definitely down to do uh, any of that for sure. Yeah. I love my job, man. I, this is what I get to do. Um, talk to people and, and um, it's great. It's great. I, I love it. it. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. A, it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's different. You know, it's I'm on the other side of the industry. I'm looking in now. I'm taking my experience and, and just looking at it and looking in and trying to help who I can at this point. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you guys. This went way over than I thought it was going to go. So that's always a good sign, you know, <laughs> when the time goes further than I thought. So, um, yeah, it's really, you guys have a really great um, product. Honestly, man, I really like talking to you guys, like the transparency that you guys have. And um, again, we'll we'll set something up through email and I'll put you guys in contact with some people and y'all take it from there. You know, y'all, y'all do what you can. And I know you guys have your whole thing set up. So, but again, just appreciate you guys taking the time um, out of your days to, uh, to talk to me and just hope you guys do safe in the quarantine and keep your distance and and all that stuff right wash your hands appreciate it appreciate your time absolutely patrick that was a lot of fun and also you know all the health and safe to you to your family your friends um you know it's like let's keep restaurants open but also all of us need to stay healthy so we can go there when they're opening (laughs) (laughs) exactly we can't go eat if we're all six feet under if we don't keep six feet apart, we'll be six feet under, right? That's the, that's, we'll be six feet apart from each other the wrong way. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the wrong way. So, okay, guys, well, enjoy the rest of your day. Awesome. Thank you so much, All right, guys, be good.